I want you to turn your Bibles to a very familiar verse of Scripture, Philippians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look at verse 19. I wish everybody was here to hear it today. But the Lord knows when he sends the rain and when the storms come. And he is good all the time. Amen? But this is going to begin, and I'll tell you in a moment, it's going to begin a three-part series that I simply call Stewardship 2017. And today, I want to give you a very practical, a practical, practical, practical message about personal finances. You say, Pastor Ray, on Sunday morning? Well, yeah. I mean, I can't get you here Wednesday night, so... We're going to do it on Sunday morning. And, um, and this will help you. It's helped me over the years. And all of this is biblically based. It's right here in the Bible. I want to start with this ominous statement, which I believe is true. We're going to put it on the screen for you to see. Unless real changes are made, people who routinely have financial problems will always have financial problems, regardless of age or income. You ought to just leave that up there and just read that for yourself. It's the truth. People who have financial problems, unless they have a real change, they're always going to have financial problems, no matter how much money they make or how old they get. All of us have challenges financially from time to time. But there's a percentage of people who are always under the gun. There's a percentage of people who are always behind the eight ball. There's a percentage of people who are always juggling things to make the right things land at the right time. No external circumstances. Excuse me. No external circumstances are going to change the fortunes of these people, unless they change something on the inside. This is a message to help you with your life. You say, well, Pastor Ray, I'm not one of those people. And and by the way, let me just say this. doesn't matter what group I'd be standing in front of. There would be plenty of folks that, that are challenged in the way that we're talking about today. But you may not be one of those people. To be quite honest with you, I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm not challenged. And, and when I retire, I don't expect that, that uh, Jan and I are going to be challenged even in retirement. <clears throat> I don't believe that we will. And if we are, she'll go to work full time. <laughs> now, you may not be one of those people, but I'll say this. You probably know somebody who is. You may have somebody kin to you who is. And if they will listen, you should go online somewhere around Tuesday or so, and you need to find the link to this sermon on our homepage, and you need to send this link to your friend because this is a very, or relative, this is a very practical sermon. Here's a verse that is absolute. It is without exception in your life or in my life. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now remember, this is a message about personal finances. A lot of this message will apply maybe to business uh, 
but it is about our personal finances. At the end of this message, I'm not going to give an invitation and say, okay, all you deadbeats come and kneel at the, I'm not going to do that. But I am going to say this, that everybody here will find something applicable to your life. Now, according to that verse that we just read, God is the supplier of all our needs. If we have it, he gave it. He gave it to us if we have it. And if we need it, he has it. God is not a source. God is the source. So well, I work for the state, that's wonderful. God is the source. I work for the city or I have my own business. That's a good thing. I'm happy for you. But God is your source. And he loves us equally, and this promise is applied to us fairly. Why then do some struggle while others seem to never really have problems financially? I believe it's in the way that people manage what God supplies. It's not a problem with God's supply. It's a problem with how we manage God's supply. Do you know that this church, in in my almost now 25 years of being the pastor, this church, to my knowledge, has has finished the year in the red two times. Now, I'm talking about the church, and and, and let let me tell you this, our offerings aren't great. They're really not. But we have managed over these years. One time, I think our we went in the red by $500 and another by a couple of thousand dollars. And those were during the last eight years when the economy really had some, some unique challenges. I, I hope things will change. Today and, and for the next couple of Sundays, I'm going to address the matter of stewardship in our lives. And again, you may want to make sure that your children come next Sunday or your grandchildren come next Sunday. Here's how it starts. All of us should establish stewardship priorities. And if you're not call this up online on your iPad or your, your iPhone or smartphone, and you're not following on, online the, the message, I encourage you to write these things down. And also I'm going to say this, that, and, I, and please take notes, if you want this message, email me and, uh, at randyray at nflchurch.com, and I will send you this message. I'll probably have to clean up some grammatical mistakes in it before I send it out to you. But uh, this is a very important message. Establish stewardship priorities. You've heard of putting first things first. Well, what's first? What's second? How do we know what stewardship priorities are? Well, the first one should be obvious. God is first. That should be very, very obvious. And, And could I say this? If God is the supplier of all of our needs, of everything that we have and everything that we need and everything that we're going to have, why wouldn't he be first? Why would he not be our very first priority? Well, of course he's our first priority. I I don't think anybody here would disagree with that. I I don't think anybody would stand up in this, this building, whether it's on a blustery day like today or a day when the house is full, I don't think you would stand up and say, no, you're wrong. God's not first. One of the reasons you're here today is because God is first. He should be not only first, he should be central to everything in our lives. 
Everything about our lives should be central on Jesus Christ. He should be the center of all, no matter what it is, family, finances, uh, uh, our social in- interaction, whatever it is, God is at the central part of it. Here's the way that Jesus said it in Matthew six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everyone should establish that God is the first priority in everything. <clears throat> this means that he is the first in the decisions of our lives. Before we choose any direction that we're going to go, we consider him first. And that certainly includes the financial aspect of our lives, and for good reason. There's a good reason for him to be first. Because Jesus also said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Matthew 6, 21. Why do you think that the Seminole boosters, people who put a lot of money into Seminole sports. Why do you think they go to every game? Because they got a lot of money put into every sport. And where your treasure is, there's your heart. Now, there's always a challenge. It's always challenging to put God first in our lives, especially our financial lives. And the reason is because there's always a pull in another direction. There's always a pull for ourselves. There's a, there, there's a, we reason on our minds, well, if we can somehow or another make make it through here, then we'll put God first. But it never works out for us because God is the supplier and he wants us to believe him and have faith in him. So we should put him first, no matter what. God must be in first place or we will never get our lives, including our financial lives in order. It will never happen. Please understand that it will never happen for you, for me, or for anyone. We simply cannot postpone putting God first. That just can't be done. You can't postpone that. You can't say, well, when this happens and this happens, then I'm going to put God first. You just can't do it because there are a lot of reasons, but one is you won't do it. You got by this long without doing it, and so you think that's the way to do it, and it doesn't really matter whether you put God first or not because your things are going to always work out, and that may be, but you know what else? You may not have nearly what God intended for you to have had you just put him first. Delaying obedience to God in tithing or being generous with him beyond the tithe, it's to, and, and delaying that in order to see good things happen, and then you're going to put him first. It's the never-ending wait. It will never change. Now, some churches take pledges from their members. This church doesn't. We never have, and I don't think that we ever will take an annual pledge from you. We've just not done that. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pledge to do more for the Lord in 2017 than we did in 2016. The first reason that people get into financial trouble is because they fail to put God first. Now, that's not the only reason, but that is the first reason. That is a huge reason that people have personal financial issues. Here's the second one. They do not understand that primary needs are second God is first, primary needs are second. The first funds to be protected in our personal finances 
are those dollars that we give back to the Lord. The second priority is to make sure that our primary needs are covered. And if they are, God's Word says that's enough. So, so look, I'm going to give you four priorities, but, but here's the reality. If you have <clears throat> just the first and the second priority met according to God's Word, that's enough. Let me show you the second priority. That's from 2 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Now this verse says that the contentment of life can be found in the food we eat and the clothes that we wear. Now I'm going to be very honest with you. I've never met anyone like that. I've never met anyone who truly said, you know what, as long as I've got something to eat and as long as I've got clothes to wear, then I'm absolutely 100% content. I'm, I am the carnation cow. I am contented. And you don't have to worry about me, and I don't have to worry about anything because I am absolutely contented. I've never met anybody like that. But regardless of the scarcity of people that we may know who embrace this, the Scripture is very clear. We can be content. I'm not saying that you will be or even that you should be, but you can be content with food and clothing. You can be content. You remember Lee Greenwood's song, uh, you know, if, if I, uh, my wife and all that I'd worked for is gone and, and then I'm glad to be an American where at least I know I'm free. Well, let me give you a, a biblical aspect of that. If all of those things are gone, you can be content with what God has given you. This doesn't mean that we can't have more. We can have more. In fact, all of us do have more. But we can be content with our primary needs being met. You know why people get into trouble financially? Because they get things out of order. They get their priorities messed up. The first priority is God. He is first. The second priority is that our primary needs are to be met. Primary needs are second. Now, here's the third priority. Secondary needs are third. Now, preacher, what are secondary needs? Well, they're things that are needs that are not primary needs. and, And remember that the Bible says we can be content, if we have to, with our primary needs. But there are secondary needs. And, and look, God wants to make our personal finances work out for us. But we must understand what He holds to be right regarding our financial picture. Some needs that are not listed in 1 Timothy 6, 8, that is food and clothing. Some needs that are not listed are still very important. They are secondary needs, and they are very, very important. They, they, <clears throat> they should be third in our list of priorities, but they're not unimportant in our lives. In the world in which we live, there are some things that we just have to have. They're not primary needs. They're not food and clothing. You say, well, we're living in a different world, so I'm going to in, uh, enlarge the list of primary needs. Quite honestly, that, that just doesn't cut it. God's Word says if you, got these, if you have these two primary needs, food and clothing, put me first and take care of these two primary needs, there's nothing else you really need. So these secondary needs are real needs, but they're not primary needs. For instance, a car is a secondary need. And a second car... It can still be a need, but it's not a primary need. It's a secondary need. It's not food or clothing. It's not God. 
furniture, cell phones, extra sets of clothing, and, and more and more, those are all secondary needs. Now, in today's world, they are not comforts. They are needs. They're absolutely needs. Our world has changed so much, I don't see how people get along without a cell phone because our world has changed so much. Now, that cell phone is not a primary need. It's a secondary need, but it is a need nevertheless. So there, there are primary needs and there are <clears throat> secondary needs. And the point is not that secondary needs are unimportant because they are important. The point is in the priority. We should not obligate our finances for other things ahead of God or our primary needs. And we shouldn't obligate ourselves for these things above God, the primary needs of life. We just shouldn't. We shouldn't say, I don't care if I eat this month, but I've got to make this car payment. I don't care if I tithe. Uh, I may or may not tithe, but I've got to make this, uh, this payment on that particular thing. God is first. Primary needs are second. Secondary needs are third. Now, now, some of you are sitting there, and you're saying to yourself, man, I wish he had told me this when we first got married. Okay, but remember, unless something changes, you're always going to have this problem. Why not fix it now? Why not change it today? So what do you have? Well, you have the priorities established, first of all. Priority number one is that God is first. Number two, primary needs are second. Number three, secondary needs are third. Here's the third, the desires of your heart. You mean we can have heart's desires? Oh, yeah. Now you're talking, preacher. (laughs) That's what I want. That's what I'm about. Now, Now, let's think about that a minute. How do we get to our heart's desire? I can't wait until I can make enough money to have whatever my little heart desires. See, that's the oddity of it all. It's not relative to money. It's relative to something else. How do you get everything that your heart desires? Well, once again, the Bible tells us very clearly. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You say, well, you you mean I don't go for the big bucks? Well, you might go for the big bucks, but that's not the way to have the desires of your heart. You you mean I shouldn't uh, hope that that my ship comes in or, or millions of dollars fall on my head? Well, I hope your ship does come in, and I hope millions of dollars fall on your head. But could I tell you this? That, that probably won't give you the, in fact, it won't give you the desires of your heart. That's the only thing that happens. The Bible says that <clears throat> we have to delight ourselves in the Lord for us to be able to have the desires of our heart. To understand <clears throat> stewardship and happiness, we have to understand lordship. Jesus is not only the Savior of our souls, but He is the Lord of our lives. When He is the Lord of our lives, the desires of our heart conform to His will. He he doesn't take away our desires, but they do change. And by the way, that doesn't mean that He withholds the really good stuff. Oh, man. 
I mean, if I, please don't make me have to just submit to the Lord and he gives me the desires because then I won't, I mean, he won't give me anything really good. Nothing that I really want. Well, I beg the difference. So does God's word. For the Lord God is a sun and shield and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the wants of life. Not one thing wrong with that. In fact, I would say most everybody here, in fact, you have your primary needs met. And I think probably most everybody here has your secondary needs met. And I think that there are a lot of people here who have the desires of your heart. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, we must never put our wants and our secondary needs and our primary needs ahead of God. And we should never put our desires and wants ahead of secondary needs or secondary ahead of primary. Just we keep, keep them in priority. God isn't withholding your wants from you. He is not. God isn't keeping you from having things that you really want. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. God wants you to have more than you have. You say, I don't believe that. Well, that started with tithing, didn't it? You didn't believe it about then, and then you didn't believe it about primary, and then you didn't believe. You say, I don't really believe that he wants me to have more than I have. Well, look what Paul said to the Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power, his power at work within us. So regardless of who you are or what stage of life you're in, establish priorities that you will absolutely live by and never abandon them. Never let them go. You say, it's, it's too late for me. It's never too late. <clears throat> it's never too late. So establish priorities. We're talking about personal finances. How to make them really work for you. Here's the second thing. Learn to wait. Now this is a big one. <clears throat> one reason <clears throat> that, that people get into financial trouble and can never get out is because they rush the blessing. They rush it. They push it too quickly. We've just come through the Christmas season. How many of you, at least one time, watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Will you raise your hand with the Griswold family? Okay. Do you remember Clark Griswold waiting on his Christmas bonus? Do you know why Clark was so much under the gun? Because Clark had already made a down payment and a commitment to a new swimming pool for his backyard, thinking for sure he was going to get a big bonus, and that bonus is going to pay for a swimming pool. And his life was miserable during the whole time. Why? Because he had pushed something before it was time for it to happen. A lot of people want today what God has planned for them for tomorrow. God blesses the believer who is a faithful steward and who has learned to wait. Do you know who Violet Fane is? F-A-N-E, Violet Fane. She was an author from the, who, who died at the turn of the 20th century. 
She was the one who wrote, all good things come to those who wait. She was the one who wrote that. All good things come to those who wait. Let me just tell you that if you heard that rattling right there, that's the wind blowing. We have some vents that blow. And the only thing that that's going to do is make a little noise unless it rains sideways. If it rains sideways, then uh, Tom, you're going to get wet. And Frank, so will you. Okay. But you're free to move to another seat if it starts raining inside. Otherwise, just ignore the, the noise up there. All good things come <clears throat> to those who wait. She wrote those words in 1892. She said, man, that's great. Yeah, but here's the deal. God wrote this long before she wrote that. Psalm 25, 21. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. See, God had established the principle of our integrity staying intact by our being able to wait on the Lord. He established that long, long before any of us were born. This is a lesson that that I had to learn in my early married life. Jan and I learned to wait for things and to wait on God. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you that we are extraordinarily blessed. Extraordinarily blessed. We really are. But, but could I say this to you, that the Randy and Jan Ray, that, that uh, the Janice Dozier <clears throat> and the Randy Ray who got married in 1972, we moved into a basement apartment on Old Hickory Lake in Old Hickory, Tennessee. Our furniture, there was not one new piece of furniture in our house. We, we didn't have early American, we had early attic furniture. <clears throat> and we waited on the Lord. God will give you <clears throat> what you are waiting for if you are a good steward and you're delighting in Him. He will give those things to you. More importantly, you'll enjoy it more because you didn't place in jeopardy the greater for the lesser. Never place in jeopardy the greater for the lesser. How do I do that, preacher? Well, first of all, pray about your purchases. Ask God about moving to a new house, getting a second car, going on vacation. You ever see these testimonies on Facebook where God has opened up this wonderful blessing for somebody to go deeply in debt so that they'll never be able to see the surface again, but God opened up that door for them to uh, totally gut their house and read it. You ever seen that? God just opened the door. No. No, those people took a sledgehammer and a wrecking bar to God's door, busted off the lock, stepped inside, and said, where's the debt? Where do I sign? And then say... God supplied. Now, I'm not one of these guys that, that believes that there should be no debt, but I'll tell you this. I believe that debt should be good debt. And the way that we know that <clears throat> it's going to be good debt is, is to pray about it first. Don't back yourself into a financial corner. Don't get your priorities out of whack. But if I pray, God may not give it to me. Well, remember what we read earlier? For the Lord is a sun and shield and bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Ask God to to bless and guide your life just like you ask Him to bless and guide other people's lives. And while we're waiting on the Lord, here's what we have to learn. This is an extreme. 
This is extremely practical stuff right here. I honestly wish that, that, that there should, could be a place where I could tell all of this stuff to everybody in Tallahassee. Avoid impulse buying. We're talking about how to keep your priorities right. Avoid impulse buying. Here's a rule of thumb. If a strong one-time impulse hits you to purchase something, do just the opposite, especially when it's an expensive item. You say, preacher, where did you learn that? Well, I learned that by not doing it. I learned that by failing in that. Learn to spot impulse items. You say, well, what's an impulse item? My degree, my college degree is in marketing. I could sell a rabbi a rosary. I'm telling you, my degree is in marketing. I'm good at this stuff. But, but you, you know what an impulse item is? For, for instance, they're the things that are placed near the cash register when you go into the store. Do you think that people go to Publix to purchase People Magazine? Do you think they walk in and say, could you tell me where People Magazine is? I've got to get a copy, the latest copy of People. I've got to have it. And, and why do you think that that's put at eye level for you when you're checking out? And let me ask you this. Why do you think that things that are down here suit the kids? Those are impulse items. They want you to spend just a little extra. Do you honestly, does anybody here drive to, to Dillard's, park your car, get out and go in to a cash register just to buy Godiva chocolates? No. Those are impulse items. Just like when they ask you, would you like to open up a Dillard's account today and get X amount off? They are appealing to your impulse. There are some impulses that we have to learn to, to recognize and to avoid. For instance, don't buy ever what you can't afford. Just don't. Do we not have those on bullet points up there? Don't buy ever what you can't afford. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Just don't. Baby, I think those look good on you. It doesn't matter. Just go ahead and get them. Because you look good, baby, in that. I think you ought to go ahead and get it. It doesn't matter. Just get it. Don't do that. If you can't afford it, don't do it. Never purchase from or donate to somebody who calls you. When somebody calls you on the phone, and they have, it doesn't, I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter if it's St. If it's Jude's, St. Joseph's. It doesn't matter if it's the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. It doesn't matter what it is. If they call you, don't give to it or buy it over the phone. Just don't do that. All that's going to do is mess you up. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Just develop a strategy. My strategy is not answering the phone. That's my strategy. Now they've learned on caller ID to somehow or another link a phone call to your area code. And somebody can now call you from Phoenix, but it will show up on your caller ID as 850. And quite honestly, if you don't recognize the number, just don't answer it. You say, Pastor Ray, but what if it's me? You better answer me. No. 
It's, it's, just don't do that. Here's, here's the, the third thing. Don't go shopping for recreation. Well, me and the girls just going to get together and we're going shopping. We're just going to go shopping. Not going to really buy anything. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Because that's why you're going shopping. That is a big difference between men and women. I, you know, you, you can have your million woman march if you want to, but I'm here to tell you that men don't go shopping. They go buying. I promise you that wherever the women were marching in the United States of America, there's a lot of shopping that went on because women shop and men buy. That's just the truth. You say, well, that's sexist. Well, it's the sexist truth. Just the truth. So I'm really surprised you're doing this on Sunday morning. Come on Wednesday night and I won't have to do this on Sunday morning. Don't go shopping for record. And be honest with yourself about your impulses. Know what, just know what affects you. Avoid, and, and these aren't, and I'm kind of glad that, that Debbie Richardson has moved to California now because I can say this. But avoid home purchase parties if you can. Don't go to those things. And I know some of you may make a living at it, but I'll tell you this. Mrs. Ray, for all of the years that I've been a pastor, she has not gone to those things. She has been invited to them, but she hasn't gone to them. And the reason she doesn't go to them is because we had a deal a long time ago. She's just not going to go to those things. Why? Because you buy stuff that you never wanted to start with. And it pay more than you ever expected you was going to pay. And I could add to that, don't go on a free vacation to look at a timeshare. <laughs> Y'all do know this is genius, don't you? you? You understand that. Don't go on a free vacation. Well, congratulations, you have won a all-expenses-paid trip to, to Disney World. And we're going to put you up in uh, the best Marriott and da-da-da-da-da. You say, well, they're going to put me up in a Marriott. No, they're not. They're going to put you up in a timeshare that is owned by Marriott. And you're going to go through one of those things. And I, if you've, I've been to them. Listen, I'm, I'm preaching here, and I know what I'm talking about. I've been to them. Oh, my goodness, are they good. And, and excuse me for saying this, but you surely don't want to go if you've got real money. Because if you've got real money, they're going to get it. And remember, this is God's money. It's not yours. That's the final thing. Now, how can we learn to wait? Well, pray about our purchases. Avoid impulse items. Here's the third one. Refuse needless credit. Refuse it. Refuse it. Anyone, and I mean anyone, can get a credit card. Zachary Wynn, I'm going to tell you something. If you want a credit card, you can get one. He said, oh, my daddy would kill me. And he probably would. But you would die with a credit card. Because you can get one. Anybody can get a credit card. Man, look at this. They say I'm qualified for $10,000. That ain't nothing. You can have a drawer full of credit cards if you want them. You have, 
you have five or six, and you think, well, that's okay as long as I don't use them. If I just have them and don't use I just have them in case I need them. As long as I don't use them, I'm okay. I'm going to give you a little known fact. This is, this is going to enlighten a whole lot of people. Perry, you know about what I'm about ready to say here. If you apply for a home or an auto loan and have five credit cards, each with a five or $10,000 limit, the company that is financing your home or your car they will look at you, and, and you have no debt on any of those cards. They will look at you as though you have a twenty-five or $50,000 potential debt hanging over your head. Did you know that? If you don't have anything on those credit cards, but you've got five with a $10,000 limit, they're going to look and they're going to say, okay, well, I see that you've got $50,000 in liability here. No, I know. I don't have any liability. I don't owe anything on credit cards. Oh, I didn't say you owed anything. I say you've got liability. You can charge. You can go out and run all these up tomorrow at 10000 after you get this loan today and run them up tomorrow, and then you won't be able to pay us. Look, just understand that. Don't open credit card offers. Do not open them. Don't take a credit card offer over the phone. And whatever you do, don't get a Visa card because you get a free shirt at the FSU football game. I had a guy, I was walking through the airport, and, and we, were, we were trying to get from one gate to the other just real quick because we had a connection that was being held for us. And I had a guy literally said, are you making a connection? Yes, I am. Well, before you go, goodbye. I was standing there. They're, I don't know what they were doing. Giving out crown jewels with credit cards, I guess. Let me give you some principles of personal finance. Personal credit. Never carry over a balance on any credit card. Never, ever carry over a balance on any credit card. You say, well, preacher, it's too late for me. I've already got three that I'm making a minimum payment on. Well, I'm going to tell you what Dave Ramsey would tell you. Take the smallest one. Take the one that you owe the least on. Pay it off. And then add uh, the next one and then the next one and get them all paid off. Never carry over uh, a balance on your credit card. And don't be impressed with lower rate credit cards. What difference does it make if you're never going to carry over a balance? And do not obligate yourself beyond your income or your ability to pay it off. Just don't do that. And remember that long-term debt must be offset by long-term assets. It must be. You you should never go into long-term debt for a short-term asset. And it's better to wait and have financial freedom than commit and be bound. Just learn to wait. God may want to give you something but in a different avenue than you're expecting. If we learn this, how to wait, we can pay our doctor bills, we can pay our car insurance. Learn how to preserve your personal integrity by waiting. Here's the last thing. Be discreet about your personal finances. That's why I'm not going to give an invitation today. I don't, I don't want, I don't want, I want you to sit there in anonymity. Granted, you may be squirming a little, but sit there in your anonymity and take all of this in. Your financial affairs are personal. 
God has given to each of us the amount of money that he wants us to have at a given time in our lives. And if we run out of money, it is usually because of the priority problems or the fact that we just don't do what we need to do in order to get the funds that we need. Sometimes that's where we fail. We're just not willing to do what needs to be done. One of my favorite memories from the church where I was a pastor in Nashville. By the way, that's a picture of me up there. I'm on the right. Is that not a good-looking dude right there? I'm telling you. <clears throat> that's a picture of me. And that's the, the Hardy family, the Allen Hardy family. In a couple of weeks, that little girl, I've got my hand on her shoulder. Her name is Erin. Now her name is Erin Matthews. She's a, a missionary to Brazil uh, and with, with her husband. They're going to be here in a couple of weeks just to be in our service and set up a table, maybe give a testimony. But one of my favorite memories ever is of that family uh, right there. Alan was a union electrician. I'm looking at his picture while y'all are looking at his picture. Alan was a union electrician working on a, a big uh, nuclear reactor energy plant uh, in, in outside of the Nashville area. And, and that plant that they, they laid off, they, they decided to shut down the plant. So he lost his union job as an electrician and he made a lot of money. The market was so bad for electricians, he couldn't get a job. Let me tell you what that guy, that man right up there with that beautiful family, that man at, at about that time in his life, actually, that man went into his garage and tuned up his push mower put it in the back of his grandmother's uh, Pontiac Catalina that he had inherited. And he took that, <clears throat> that car and that lawnmower and he knocked on people's doors and he said, I would like to mow your lawn for you and take care of your lawn if you'd allow me. He mowed, this guy was a master electrician and he, <clears throat> he mowed yards to take care of his family, and to tithe. And by the way, yes, he tithed on lawn mowing money. I never one time heard Alan complain. I never even heard him ask for prayer. He just did what he was supposed to do. He was discreet about it. He just did what he was supposed to do. He did what he could, and people prayed for him on their own. He never, <clears throat> never did get another union job. But one day, when he was out mowing yards, he stopped by a McDonald's to get something to eat. And the McDonald's were, uh, where he was was having some electrical problems. And he told the, the uh, manager, he said, I can fix those problems. And the guy said, you can? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm a master electrician, just out of work, but I can fix that problem for you. Well, what do you charge us? He said, I'll give you a price. And he gave him a price and <clears throat> and he fixed McDonald's electrical issue. They loved it. They told their other McDonald's friends. And so he took care of a, another McDonald's, then, then another, un, until finally he didn't have time to mow lawns anymore. So he took the lawnmower out of his uh, Pontiac Catalina and he put it back in the garage and he started <clears throat> working at all of these, these places. And, and when the job market finally did loosen up, 
he couldn't take the job that they offered him because he was making too much money now uh, fixing uh, problems at McDonald's and other places and so forth and so on. And he had a, <clears throat> a wonderful business. And if you go on Yelp right now and you put in Hardy Electric in Nashville, Tennessee, you will see some of the most glowing reports that you've ever seen on a one-horse operation. And <clears throat> he did all of that because he wanted to keep his priorities right and be a good steward of what God had blessed him with. Learn to love the life and the opportunities that God has given you. He doesn't want you to have someone else's life or you'd have it. When we learn to manage the talents that he has given to each of us, then he makes a decision about giving us more. Don't hide your talents. Be wise and prudent in using it. And remember this, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. Remember that the thing that you want more than anything else is what my friend Alan Hardy had when he started pushing. uh, uh, He he had little girls at home, four little girls to be exact, and he started pushing the lawnmower, uh, mowing people's houses in his neighborhood, mowing their lawns in his neighborhood, and he said, I'm doing this to take care of my family and be a faithful steward to God, and God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him to where now, I mean, He's got four of the most beautiful daughters you've ever seen. They're all doing well in various places around the country. And his good name could not be better. I read a verse at the beginning. Hopefully it makes more sense now. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Remember that. And remember this. Unless real changes are made. People who routinely have financial problems will always have financial problems regardless of age or income.